Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast where we discuss the world of classical music and what things are really like backstage. My name is Helen. And I'm Alex. And today we are going to discuss boundaries. Ooh, what could that mean? Yeah, Mm. now we're going to need to do a little bit of explaining just so that we all understand exactly what we mean by boundaries. So in order to do that, let me take you back a little bit to March 2020, the lockdown begins. Is that when it was? Yeah. Oh, sure. And one thing that I found as the months of lockdown passed, although it was really difficult and we were all kind of missing a lot of our work and and seeing friends and family, there were changes, I think, in in my friends' and colleagues' lives that were actually beneficial, let's say, i.e., People weren't having to get up at the crazy hours of the morning in order to get to gigs or rehearsals or whatever. People weren't staying out really late at night because they had concerts and gigs and rehearsals. People were kind of falling into rhythms and patterns that allowed them to be a little bit more healthy. And um, I started having conversations with friends and colleagues that were like, I don't think I could go back to that previous way of working. I don't think I could go back to being out every night of the week. And so... Something that we've both been interested in is the fact that people have started to delineate boundaries. Boundaries. Delineate. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Essentially, things that they are or are not willing to kind of do now as we kind of come back into our industry. And so we thought today we might discuss uh, a few different boundaries We're going to start off by talking about what we're going to call the litmus test, which is kind of a pragmatic way of assessing kind of any opportunity that comes along and whether you might or might not take it. We're then going to have a chat about boundaries in relation to things such as social media. We're then going to talk about respecting your own time and setting boundaries to do with time. We're going to talk about personal and social boundaries. That's kind of boundaries in terms of the way that you kind of operate with other people but also how other people operate with you and then finally we'll have a little discussion about asserting your boundaries and how as we kind of come out of coronavirus and all these various lockdowns how can we healthily assert our boundaries and make sure that our boundaries are heard and that we don't go back to pre-covid madness absolutely So to kick things off, we're going to talk about the litmus test, um, mm-hmm. which I've already decided is a completely inappropriate name. It's a great name. <laughs> Science, key stage three, acids, alkalis. It's pretty simple. Yeah, sure. Just like the world of work. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> is it acidic? Yes. Good. Do it. It actually is something that came out of my time while I worked for Tenebrae. One of the trustees who was kind of helping us in terms of making Tenebrae a kind of solvent business and a successful organization suggested that when offers of work came in, we should assess each offer by three different criteria. The first was personal, the second was artistic, and the third was financial. And essentially, if any offer of work came in or something that we were trying to create managed to meet two of those three objectives that was something that we would consider like a a good idea um a successful project to take on and if it didn't meet the third of these three criteria that was okay because it was substantially addressing the other two and thinking about it now as i come back into the world of work or singing or whatever we want to call it um i actually think it's quite a smart little idea for us all to consider in our artistic lives because I think often or certainly prior to the pandemic 
I would accept any job that. Oh came my to god! Me. Yeah. yeah, begging. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, because you're so desperate to be on the scene. But then you know, so often that means you're doing work that's really unsatisfactory. You feel probably a little bit low in yourself while you're doing it. You're probably burning the candle at both ends, trying to be everywhere and and mm. all things to all people. And what are you actually getting out of it at the end? Particularly, you know, if it's if it's financially quite a low fee what's the point so you're not really in that respect kind of firing on any of those cylinders so um yeah we, we kind of thought say a gig offer comes in and it's a messiah and it's love a messiah i'd it, take it yeah i wouldn't even whatever <laughs> done alex has really nailed the litmus test there say say a messiah comes in say the fee is quite low and say it's in yorkshire and uh you don't have the ability to stay overnight so you'd have to drive back from the concert on the same day i think i now looking at that offer might be a little bit dubious about it because Mm. one perhaps i'm going to make a loss on it if the fee's not very large and i'm having to do all this driving two it's far away perhaps i have something i need to do the following day and i know i'm already going to be exhausted because i've done such a late night doing this previous messiah and three well unlike alex actually i the messiah sometimes really does my nothing it's the best piece in the world (laughs) i do love it i know i do but sometimes i'm just like oh too no, much not today satan no. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of assessing that opportunity by those criteria mm. i might say thanks but no thanks today mm. however let's say alternatively um somebody got in touch with me and said that they were trying to write a new song cycle it's a new commission for a a new project it's a contemporary score perhaps they don't have like a huge amount of money to offer but you know it's not a completely insubstantial fee when i kind of look at those things i'm like well i'm i'm passionate about new music so that's something i'm really interested in i think personally and artistically that kind of sits well with me okay the money isn't great Mm. however personally artistically i do find satisfaction in this offer and so that might be a gig opportunity that i would consider and i guess that's something i'm going to try and if i can say hold myself to Mm -hmm. as i go forward rather than literally just taking every single thing that's offered to me i'm going to try and think about things a little bit more astutely let's say, because even within the last couple of weeks, I've done some services and some bits of work that honestly, afterwards, I was like, why did you do that? And, and <laughs> they were thinking the same. <laughs> yeah, they were like, why is she yeah. here? But it didn't feel particularly satisfying, mm. didn't feel musically very satisfying. You know, I was home really late the same day, meaning I was exhausted the next morning. And so that's my kind of mantra for the next few months to mm. really try and start litmus holding myself test. to this litmus test. I guess also that applies to when you're seeking out and applying for jobs as well. Because yeah. I remember <laughs> such a long time ago having to do this. Well, um, <laughs> just like <laughs> scattergun applying so for old. so many things. <laughs> so old. So wise. And, you know, I wouldn't really consider, oh, if I, if I actually get that offer... Um, which I've applied for, which I probably will, (laughs) then do I really want it? Mm -hmm. So I could have really narrowed down the things I applied for from 10,000 to four by using this litmus test to see whether I really want it or not and whether it's going to tick enough of those boxes. And also, I wonder whether we can refer to a previous episode, which you've all listened to, of course. Hi. <laughs> um, what was that on? Uh, the portfolio <laughs> career. There we go. If you have a steady income from other other arrows in your quiver, 
I've <laughs> you are coming out with wild <laughs> phrases at the moment. Arrows in your qu- yeah. Oh, strings to your bow. Yeah. I don't know. Well, whatever. If if you're comfortable with your other streams of income, etc., then you don't have to accept everything that comes along, and you can think, okay, well. As you said, if that's going to impact your next day yeah. and impact your your life and your other streams of work or yeah. whatever you need to do, it's like, yeah, I, I just need to say no to that. Yeah, I think perhaps once you've said no a couple of times, saying no gets easier. Yeah, for if sure. You will. And, you know, we're not sitting here advocating, like, turning everything down. That's not the idea. It's more just thinking about the work that you do and, like, whether that work is actually, like, providing fulfillment Hmm. because i think you know we care so much about our craft we care so much about singing but that doesn't mean just doing anything and everything because we all talk about this burnout millennial burnout Mm. we're all experiencing burnout but very few of us actually do anything to try and counter burnout and so yeah i think certainly from our point of view we're going to start applying this little litmus test and uh yeah we'll see you in 2022 (laughs) when we're both completely unemployed (laughs) also the last fun point on this is that you know an opportunity that may not tick your boxes will tick someone else's i remember doing like the first ever little choral society things that i did as a soloist you know i was so excited to be doing them and then the bass it was always the bass would be like oh I don't want to be here. And it's like, oh, you've ruined it for me now because now I feel like I shouldn't be so excited to do this. So, you know, if you turn it down for whatever reason, someone else will really want it. Yeah. And it would be great if we we all did gigs where people weren't complaining that they were doing them at the same time. Always people like, I wish I wasn't doing this. Like, well, don't take it then. If you agree to the work then I do think you have to turn up. You've just got to repress that, you know, sadness. Mm. You, (laughs) Helen. (laughs) And uh, you've really got to kind of give a positive attitude. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, you accepted the work. Yeah, it's your fault. Following on from that, then, um, one of the kind of boundaries we were discussing, and I think, you know, is something that's really prevalent during this time, is social media Mm -hmm. again we're able to refer back (laughs) to another episode which we did on the online package and we talked a little bit there about our opinions on social media how we feel about using social media but also you know it's now pretty much unavoidable Mm. given lockdown given this complete year of a a dearth of work really Mm -hmm. you know we've all kind of moved our profiles more online and social media is a massive part and parcel of that package i think though something that's important is everybody's responses to social media are different because we're all completely different people and our makeup is completely different. So how I choose to use social media may not be the same as how somebody else chooses to use social media. However, when I use social media, I am trying to monitor my well-being. And again, something that we referred back to in this episode on the online package is For some people, posting lots about what they're up to on social media is a really important part of the career that they're building. And it's important for them to have that profile. It's something that they enjoy doing and they get satisfaction out of creating this online content for others to see. However, that's not the case for everybody. Mm. And certainly from my point of view, I'm fully aware that I find social media quite difficult. And so with that in mind, 
I have set myself boundaries in terms of the ways that I use social media in order to benefit my mental health. And so, you know, even with this podcast and with with any other kind of personal social media work that I do, I literally set aside maybe two to three hours a week. I use various apps, things like TweetDeck, and it's called Combine Scheduler Mm. to schedule posts on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It kind of means I'm able to (laughs) compress the time (laughs) that I'm on social media into one kind of slightly difficult three-hour bubble. And then I'm able to let it go and, you know, you can check back in as and when you need to. But for me, it is helpful because something that I'm bad at is mindlessly scrolling through social Mm. media, making myself feel not great about what other people are up to and then just kind of essentially repeating that cycle Mm. I just keep doing it whereas in setting these boundaries I'm helping myself and I I'm aware of how much better I feel when I spend less time on social media and so if somebody is telling me I have to have it as part of my career then I'm going to try and do it in a way that works for me and essentially that for me is quite a hard boundary. Like I'm mm. not prepared to be a person that's on social media all the time. It just is not something that's good for me. No, me neither. I just can't bear it. I freak out so much. <laughs> like the most I can deal with is like cats and hats. Yeah, and I guess the next, well, it runs in such a nice way into wow. our next sort of topic. Almost like we planned it. <laughs> Respecting your own time. So you choose... Okay, well, these things are important to me, so I want to keep these. You know, I think during lockdown, I've really enjoyed having regular meals. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So many. Warm meals. Regular warm meals. How nice is that? I'm a big fan of the old lunchbox. Mm. But wow, like if you can have a hot lunch, isn't it just the best thing? And then a nap. (laughs) (laughs) The idea, you know, before you might finish rehearsals at six, and then go, well, I would be going off tutoring somewhere and I'll be back at sort of 8.30. And then I was aware that I had to be up at sort of seven the next morning. I would just grab something on the way or spend too much money, like eating at some terrible restaurant just for the sake, you know, food is fuel sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that really wasn't very healthy. And obviously I wanted to pack as many things in as possible. Yeah. But if I just organized my time, organized my boundaries and set them before if that is really important to me then I would have made that work yeah and it's it's always possible isn't it feeding on from that something I was kind of mentioning to Alex was in the past I've been so um I don't want to say nervous I've been so concerned so when people want to organize rehearsals or things I am so concerned about the other person being comfortable and the other person being happy that I would bend over backwards in order to meet whatever their needs are and obviously it's good to be flexible and malleable however you know there were a couple of situations where you know people would be like oh can we rehearse at 8 30 p.m or something or can we squeeze that in could you do 7 30 p.m and just recently I've been like um no mm-hmm. I actually can't because If we rehearse at 7.30, we will finish at 8.30. I would get home until about 10 o'clock. I then have to be up at, let's say, 7 the next day. I won't have eaten. It will take me a while to wind down and sleep. And yeah, just simply that element of respecting my own time Mm. now i don't know you know the person that i'm working with who wants to rest at 8 30 maybe they don't have anything going on the following day i don't know but that's their choice and that's how they're choosing to use their time but for me personally 
I do need a lot of sleep. I'm yeah. aware of that in myself. 15 hours. Yeah, and I, I'm also aware that I work far better in the morning than the, the, the afternoon and the evening. So really for me, a rehearsal at nighttime is, is not ideal. Now, of course, if that's the only time we can rehearse, I'm not a terrible human. I'm mm-hmm. not saying, I, you know, that's a flat, no, I won't do it. But I'm saying if there were just possibilities that we could rehearse at another time that might work better for, for myself and then we both might be a bit happier... Why wouldn't I ask for that? Yeah, it's a give and take thing, isn't yeah. it? And I suppose the idea of planning your day and maybe planning your week yeah. and, you know, that feeds into planning your month as well. Planning. Just be a, just, just being aware of everything sort of piles up and you just have like three manic weeks in a row. And that's, you know, why, why, why have you done that to yourself? <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> yes, it's always around Christmas, exactly. And maybe this Christmas will be totally normal again. Oh my gosh, who knows? And it will be crazy again. Yeah, it will. You know, it was really nice last year not having that manic time and yeah. not being exhausted for Christmas and yeah. New Year and the whole of January as a result. So if you can afford to say no to some things... For the sake of having a day off. Ooh, a day off. Then why not? And again, though, that's something we've mentioned, you know, this this industry thrives on a culture of people pushing themselves to their breaking point. Mm. So people take pride and thrive on the fact that they've had three weeks without break. Mm. Whereas I kind of hear somebody say that and I'm like, that seems like a terrible idea. You know, you see that as a badge of honor. I see that as like, a car crash waiting to happen like <laughs> like how, how does that work <laughs> or when you see someone like glugging down the gaviscon just before going on going on stage or going 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 into the pew and you're oh, like I oh ha- you've nailed it i haven't seen that for a while and i miss that a lot yeah, me too. Yeah, people, gaviscon, gaviscon from the bottle yeah it's <laughs> so dangerous <laughs> and then i think something else in terms of respecting your time that we wanted to touch upon is this kind of idea of communication really Mm, and mm. in particular we wanted to kind of touch on emails and how certain situations emails just seem to completely abuse our downtime and our off time so say you get an email at 8 30 at night being like sorry here's a change for the schedule the following morning like what if I hadn't picked that email up you know what if I had just gone to bed woken up and walked out on the schedule that I already thought was happening Mm -hmm. and in a way you know it's just asking institutions asking companies to respect their artists time now yes you know if there are these last minute changes that can't be helped what can you do again we're not talking about every single situation however I would say we've both experienced patterns of behavior where changes are delivered very last minute oh my goodness yeah and because of that we as as singers as musicians we are always i mean it's not even just singers it's the whole world isn't it we're all checking our emails all the Mm, time mm -hmm. because we all want to be up to date on the latest bits of information but again it becomes a bit addictive it becomes a bit unhealthy and actually for me it's one of those things where i feel myself like nervously checking my phone at night because i'm like just gonna check that nothing's happened just gonna check that i haven't missed anything and it's like this is ridiculous that i'm feeling this way and kind of compounded with that on this topic of emails sometimes through college through conservatoires something that we both talked about was you know opportunities being offered with a this is a first come first serve Mm -hmm. basis you know how how unfair that is because again you're kind of 
pushing this idea that we should be gotta be ready yeah be all, on your toes. always checking our emails always you know looking for all the communication and it's like let's be honest if that emails come out and i've got a coaching followed by a lesson i've missed that opportunity mm-hmm, because i haven't mm-hmm. had the chance to check my emails and look and how hard would it be just to be like here's a sign-up sheet you've got 48 to 72 hours to put your name down and then we'll pick the names out of a hat yeah yeah oh a hat top hat (laughs) (laughs) no i remember that happening and they did actually change it i think did they i can't even remember but i remember people during song class would all be on their phones like filling in some doodle or something and i was totally unaware just you know (laughs) i don't even know where my phone is you know i'm actually concentrating on the leader uh I'm living as Schumann wanted. <laughs> but yeah, I miss out on everything. Yes, um, yes. And it doesn't really seem fair that just because you're not, yeah, always tippy-tapping on you. You know, it's you're encouraging people to be distracted from whatever the yeah. thing at hand is mm-hmm. because you're being like, well, you've only got 20 minutes to fill it in. Otherwise, you don't get the chance. Yeah. I remember there's um, something we, something that I did. I think that there was someone from Europe who's Belgian or something and he hadn't, got his English sim fully sorted or something like that. I can't remember. So the group chat messages for the cast with the director on as well and the stage manager wouldn't always get through to him. And I remember, yeah, something was changed the night before for the next morning. The scheduling, it was, you know, we were doing scene two rather than scene one in the morning. So he needed to be there. He wasn't there the next morning. And I remember, yeah, there was like a rant being like, you've got to be like ready to change on your phones all the time. It's like someone needs to call him on his other phone and like get his SIM sorted out. It's like, I really don't. don't agree. No, I really don't agree. And also, not not that I want praise all the time. Well, I do. But, you know, just, <laughs> you know, if things do change and people have changed their travel plans, yeah. and that's great that we've all managed to do that, you know, just a simple like, oh thanks guys for making that work like we really appreciate it and I know it's like rehearsal times are so stressful and there's never enough time to rehearse but you know an appreciation that you know people are able to actually be that flexible Mm -hmm. yeah and and I think you were gonna talking about like group chats and stuff yeah that's one of your just hate group chats yeah (laughs) I'm terrified to message on a group chat it's always been a thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) if I ever need I'm like "Mm -mm." the judgment it takes me about 10 minutes to finally press end but yeah yeah, I just can't bear like ping, 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 ping. Yeah. And I, th- it's healthy to have, okay, they're my colleagues and friends. Well, friends. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like the third time you said that on this podcast where you'd be oh, like, God. friends, friends. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, friends and colleagues in, in the show or rehearsal or whatever. And I just need, it's good to have space from them. Yeah. And obviously, you know, sometimes it's really funny group chats and everything, but I, I also just need time away from a group chat definitely from a personal perspective i and i i think actually we mentioned this book a a couple of weeks back on another episode gosh so many self-referential moments today today. (laughs) yeah it's called digital minimalism and one of the things it recommended was this idea of managing your notifications on your phone so managing how you receive information so essentially on my phone now uh, i don't get any notifications it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yes it does mean i've missed a couple of semi-crucial things in my life i mean who cares a wedding who cares about my boiler being serviced not me (laughs) but in general it's been quite helpful because in turning all the notifications off i then choose when i access the various parts of the phone so whether it be text whatsapp email whatever and then 
you know, I'm kind of going into the thing knowing that I'm expecting, <laughs> I'm expecting thousands of messages. <laughs> That's so, you know, I know it's toughing me. But just in comparison, I was actually talking to a friend about this and they were saying because of lockdown, they've been working near to their flatmate and their flatmate has their phone up uh, next to their computer all the time. And it literally is just like ping, 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 message, 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 message. And, you know, this person was kind of saying they just don't understand how their flatmate can work like that and i i totally agree mm. like i can't when my when my phone is flashing with all these different things i can't focus on whatever the task is at hand so yeah i totally agree like i mute all chats never mind group chats i mute them all but also like because i'm not on facebook i'm not on the group chat for our year at conservatoire and honestly i don't think i'm missing out you know <laughs> fair enough that's what you want to do but just from a from a personal point of view boundaries time it's just not something i want to spend my time doing no i agree and you know if you if you if you miss out on one opportunity it's one thing thing, and if it means that you're sane for the next month i would take sanity which i rarely (laughs) achieve but i would take take sanity yeah that would be great yeah and so then moving on to our next topic of boundaries this one was quite an interesting one as we were Mm. piecing it together this idea of social and personal boundaries and you know alex you kind of started the topic off by being like angry (laughs) (laughs) well you were saying that a couple of people perhaps that you've worked with colleagues people that are you know within certain institutions often recommend trying to become as close as possible to say the director or Mm -hmm. the musical director or the producer or essentially the people that are in the positions of power and we wanted to raise this topic because we wanted to ask the question of where where do one's boundaries Hmm. lie with that like one should i be sucking up to the director the musical director etc why should i have to become their closest buddies confidants and pals in order to do a good artistic job Mm. two if i do decide to become really pally with these people how far does that go yeah exactly where are the boundaries there where are the crossings of lines there and then three was kind of the converse of that which is okay, these are my boundaries in terms of how I'm going to approach my colleagues and the people that I'm working with. But on the reverse of that, where are my boundaries for how people approach me, Mm. how people work with me, how people behave and talk towards me? And so, you know, for me, this topic isn't so much me saying these are where my boundaries lie. It's more just raising that question. Yeah, and I, I remember working with a conductor who was, you know, he expected the girls to look pretty for him. (laughs) Uh-huh. fantastic news yeah, ladies fantastic, right? and and these girls because they were really keen to impress did and maybe they would do that anyway yeah you know whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then yeah i remember the the girl that didn't she was kind of singled out as being like oh really? hmm, you look dowdy today don't you it's like so what yeah she can look as she wants to look yeah, yeah. and if she's singing like a boss yeah why does it matter and kind of along these lines you know i think we both appreciate this is this isn't an easy topic to think about and talk about because a couple of years back we had everything explode Mm. about harvey weinstein and you know everything that kind of came along from that me too movement was was so important particularly when you work in an artistic context the rules and boundaries are so 
blurred and you know we don't have an hr department Mm. that we can report to when things go wrong you know we we've just got each other and and we've got a set of power structures that are permanently at play and that we as the singers and artists we're always kind of on the Unside of really, which mm. which which doesn't always seem that fair, but I I do remember having a conversation with someone who was talking about the nature of the industry and you know how things can be quite difficult, and they kind of said something that you know if somebody were to place an untoward hand or something, well, that's just the the nature of the industry, and that's part of the price one pays in order to to be part of music making and creating and what we do, and I have to say, like I personally firmly disagree with that Mm -hmm. i don't think this is my personal opinion i'll just state that now but like i don't think that boundary ever should have to be crossed in this industry but i also think again this is something where i really firmly believe that we kind of have to band together as a collective in order to make being musicians a more positive and affirmative experience now for one person an untoward hand might not be a problem Mm -hmm. but for another person it might be a whole world of a problem Mm -hmm. and so really really full stop that should not be happening anywhere anytime with anybody doing anything yeah however you know the more we kind of turn a blind eye to it the more we kind of say well this is the cost of doing business then we just continue to perpetuate this unhealthy attitude in our industry and so yeah, we're just raising that question here today of kind of personal and social boundaries. Like, mm. do you think about those when you enter into a to an engagement? Do you think about the ways people behave towards you when you when you're in an engagement? And yeah, is, is there anything that you don't like about it? Is there anything you want to change about it? This is a, a topic I think we'd be really interested to hear. Yeah, for sure. On. And it's like I remember doing a competition where it was known that one of the judges would pick a pick a young looking <laughs> male so uh, and that young looking male may not be the best singer but would always somehow make it through to the final and then would be obviously really bad compared to the other singers <laughs> um and but that was that was well known and i remember even seeing that judge and someone who got through to the final going for dinner and holding hands yeah and it's like wow okay this is this is really blatant they're not hiding it yeah fine i suppose and that that's the thing it's like oh well that guy's willing to play the game yes but it means that it kind of becomes expected that we all we all sort of do that yeah and i actually someone was talking to me again about playing the game and i really hate that because Mm. it's like I shouldn't have to play a game in order to do my best in this industry. Surely working hard and offering yourself and committing to good music making should be the primary aim here. Mm. Not the more people talk to me about this whole playing a game thing, the more and the more determined I am not to play it. I know, I'm like, right? It's corrupt. It's corrupt. It is incestuous. It is nepotistic. nepotistic yeah. yeah. And so why why would I want to jump in and be like, yeah, pick me, pick me <laughs> for the nepotism. I'm ready for you. Yeah, it's know, it's just not. I know, I know. It's not me. Yeah, it drives me mad. Uh, the final thing we wanted to chat about today um, was this idea of asserting your boundaries Mm -hmm. and um, obviously that quite smoothly runs in from what we were talking about before feeling able to say in work situations when you feel something is inappropriate per se whether something's a bit difficult speaking from personal experience there have been times where you're in an all-male environment and a joke is made at a woman's expense and I 
so often I don't say anything because I feel really uncomfortable. But, you know, maybe maybe having done this episode, the next time I'll feel kind of compelled to be like, come on, guys, we're better yeah. than that. Mm-hmm. Because it's not nice. It's not pleasant. It makes me feel grim. Yeah. But so often just for the sake of keeping the peace, I'm like... like <laughs> <laughs> and then kind of again... Something that I've mentioned just slightly earlier was that idea of we all kind of need to come together when it comes to boundaries because I think we're currently in a situation where if one asserts their boundaries, they are often considered to be... The bitch. Yeah. The (laughs) the difficult one. Mm. The one who thinks they're better than everybody else. Watch out for them. Whereas really often I would say these people are just asserting their boundaries mm. and asserting themselves and just being like, well, I, I'm not willing to do this. Well, I don't want to do this. And um, a long time ago, I talked about a negative experience I had in terms of an ensemble project I did. And following that point, I said I wasn't going to work with that conductor again. And I, I talked to them about their behavior. And somebody kind of came and spoke to me and was like, yeah, you know, I, I've been there too. And I was like, God, you know, the more we don't, say anything yeah and the more we don't come together in order to assert our boundaries Mm -hmm. um the more this difficult behavior is able to just kind of continue and be par for the course and so i suppose what i'm trying to encourage perhaps is is not that you know everyone comes out all guns blazing with their their boundaries and their barriers and what they will and won't do but just more that we as artists should be able to speak a bit more freely hmm. and and only to encourage a more healthy supportive and collaborative working environment yeah. not to point fingers yeah. necessarily not that's at not all. the point i just think so often particularly in, in this industry there is this private power structure that's always in play and so i often think it means we as artists have the least voice because we're worried about getting booked again, Mm -hmm. giving a bad impression, not being good enough for the job. And so we choose to bite our tongues because we want more work, let's be honest. But at the end of the day, it's like, do we want a fairer industry? Mm -hmm. Do we want an industry Mm -hmm. where we're able to create something that's a bit more supportive? And if we do, then I think it's important that we find a way to communicate when things are not acceptable yeah agreed and also there are a handful of conductors or directors that people know are difficult to work with and you know people have had a really bad time and all that people say is like oh good luck good luck on that project and then during that project people are upset but rather than talking and addressing the problem just like bitch together really and then it just becomes more and more unhealthy and they get through it and like oh that was terrible and then nothing is done and the next time that project comes around exactly the same thing happens to a new group of people and it's like oh okay well that's great isn't it i i wonder if going forward because i i certainly think this kind of thing of you know maltreatment of artists is something that's really not like a hot topic of conversation, but it's. I think it's something people are thinking about more. Mm. And I wonder if we're moving out of that, as you say, that experience of the kind of tyrannical conductor yeah. or director and everybody else is kind of underneath yes, them, yes, cowering. I, I wonder if as we go forward, things are going to hopefully change for the better as you know people from our generation become mm. the conductors and directors yeah, and the people yeah, in right. those positions. You kind of hope that they will, will just impart a fairer 
status quo and just what you were saying that you know people kind of bandy together and and not complain to one another but they let out to one another yeah. their stresses and their fears and things there there is absolutely room and place for that but it's like that hasn't achieved anything you want that communication to kind of move upwards yeah. and actually be assessed and reckoned with and if that means going to the the admin side of the institution or or the trustees or whatever then do it do what needs to be done not to wave your stick around and shout but to stop whatever the maltreatment was happening again yeah as we say you know simply to find an effective way of asserting your boundaries Mm -hmm. sweet what a radical (laughs) episode that was so essentially burn them at stake that's what we're saying (laughs) everybody is going down in a ball of flame that's so exciting i know i can't wait to see that uh we'd love to know what you guys thought like Mm. do you have any new boundaries that you've set since since the pandemic since the lockdowns are there ways of working that you're enjoying more enjoying less what kind of changes are you making as a response yeah we'd love to hear from you guys yeah get in touch via email uh that's uh where's my freaking dressing room at gmail.com you can get in touch via our website that's www.wheresmyfreakingdressingroom.com very nice we also have lots of social medias helen's favorite yeah they'll be scheduled <laughs> yeah. as we now know <laughs> please don't contact us via them thank you i hate them um we're on instagram at dressing room pod we're on twitter at dressing room po1 and we're on facebook forward slash dressing room pod mm-hmm. Give us a cheeky little review if you fancy and subscribe because who wants to miss out on this sweet prime? You want that content? ping, 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 ping. Yeah, We've been yeah. speaking you about want that. It to come up. But yeah, I think that's uh, that's all from us for this week. And, uh,